Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Only I didn't say fudge. And for gosh sake, watch your language. Watch your profanity. Right, I'm sorry. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When I'd worked on it for months and you just... You just tweeted it out. What the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, July 14th, 2017, from Russia with Derf edition of the show, where we talk about Don Don the Prez's son, who's going to jail because he's dumb. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Thinking podcast is brought by Vlad Music Talent Booking. You like pop music. It's good, right? You call Vlad, we make for good concerts. Maybe for campaign rally in 2018, Vlad book a good act. Maybe find dirt on opponent for small feet. Eh. Vlad helped many, many important Americanskis politicians with music things and adopting Russian babies. You scratch Vlad back, scratch yours. You just email us, see what turn up in inbox. You never know. Maybe Hillary deleted emails. Ha ha. Vlad, talent booking agency. Nothing to do with Kremlin's fair. Use promo code TRUMP2020, and maybe we tell you something we know about Bernie Sanders. Now this is normal. Forrest is right here. The state requires a minimum IQ of 80 to attend public school, Mrs. Gump. He's gonna have to go to a special school. Now he'll be just fine. What does normal mean anyway? He might be... A bit on the slow side. But my boy Forrest is going to get the same opportunities as everyone else. He's not going to some special school to learn how to retread tires. We're talking about five little points here. There must be something can be done. We're a progressive school system. We don't want to see anybody left behind. Is that Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump? He's on vacation. I'd sketch the outline for a vitriolic little show about the New York City subway system and comparing it to the collapse of the air infrastructure in the country. It was going to be a great show, and it still might be in a week or two, because that shit's not going away anytime soon. But instead of that show, now... I need to deal with this personally. Fucking Don Jr. Look, I'm a decent enough low-tier researcher that I know a lot of bullshit from history... But there's no way in hell I'm going to come up with some kind of parallel crazy-ass shit like what went down this week in the Russia investigation. All right, let's start with what we know. On last Sunday, the New York Times published a story that Donald Trump Jr., Jared, the real son, Kushner, and Paul actually leaves a slime trail, Manafort, met with a Russian lawyer deeply connected to the Putin syndicate. At this meeting, the lawyer offered to share dirt on Hillary Clinton in exchange for easing a particular set of sanctions the Putin syndicate finds incredibly annoying, the Magnitsky Act. Follow me so far. Junior denied the meeting ever took place. 
But then a few hours later, he said, oh, well, yeah, yeah, there was a meeting, but it was about easing the laws in Russia about U.S. citizens adopting sweet little Russian babies put in place to punish the Magnitsky Act. On Monday, Trump Jr. changed his statement for a third time following a second story by the Times with five on-the-record sources saying that Trump Jr. not only met with a Russian lawyer, but it was explicitly about offering the campaign incriminating information about Hillary. Still with me? So far, so good. Now, to this information, Junior responds, yeah, yeah, I mean, she she did mention something about having information, but she, oh, it just, then she started talking about the adoption thing, and besides, nothing came of it, and I was the only person there, except for Jared and Paul, and, oh, wait, yeah, Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort, and they knew about the subject of the meeting. So, you savvy so far? Check. Then, Don Jr. tweeted the entire email correspondence between him, a music promoter named Rob Goldstone, who represents a Russian pop star named Emin, no relation to Marshall Mathers or Eminem, who is the son of a Russian oligarch who is part of the Russian syndicate, and in the email, it read, quote, Emin just called and asked me to contact you with something very interesting. The Crown Prosecutor of Russia met with his father, Eris, this morning. Uh, the Crown Prosecutor of Russia doesn't exist, and Eris is the rich Russian oligarch in the Putin syndicate. Back to the, uh, back to the email. With his father, Eris, this morning, and in their meeting, offered to provide the Trump campaign with some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary and her dealings with Russia, and would be very useful to your father. This is obviously very high-level and sensitive information, but it's part of Russia and its government's support of Mr. Trump, helped along by Eris and Emin, unquote. I should point out that the, uh, the title of this email was Russia dash 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 Hillary confidential. Junior replied to this missive, I love it, especially later in the summer, and then forwarded it to Paul Manafort, the campaign manager, and Jared Kushner, Don Trump's favorite son. The three then took the meeting with the lawyer, Natalia Veselnitskaya, in Trump Tower on June 9th, 2016. Goldstone actually checked in on Foursquare for the meeting. Who the fuck was using Foursquare in 2016? An hour after the meeting ended, Trump began tweeting about Hillary's missing emails. Could be unrelated. In an interview later, Veselnitskaya told NBC that Trump Jr. had reached out to her, desperate for any information damaging to Clinton. But in the battle between two bullshit artists, who do you believe? This morning, before I even finished my coffee, NBC broke the story that there was another person in that meeting, a uh, ex-Russian counterintelligence agent with the GRU, who had been previously accused of, and I swear to God, you could not make this shit up, an international hacking conspiracy. Holy Jesus. All right, let me see if I can get all this straight now. A music promoter. For a Russian pop star who performed at the Miss Universe pageant in Moscow in 2013 and had Donald the Donald, Donald Sr., appear in one of his music videos, calls Donald Jr. to set up a meeting with a lawyer out of the Kremlin who offers to provide opposition research on Clinton. 
The campaign lies about all of this and every rushing connection or contact for damn near a year now from the president himself all the way down to Murray, the guy who shines the president's shoes, all on the record denying anything like this could have ever conceivably happening. There are two congressional investigations, who knows how many counter-intel investigations, and a criminal investigation into multiple members of the administration about their connections to Russia and their interference in those investigations, including, by the way, the president himself and Don Jr. tweets out an email admitting to doing exactly everything they've been denying doing. Is he just a, a young kid, a a political naive who doesn't, you know, understand the law or the ways of politics? No, that's the wrong answer. The right answer is because you're all morons. He shined a light on that, didn't he? We are way past the point of needing lawyers to parse all this out. We are in bad TV writer territory. The kind of writer that wrote for the USA Network and their shows in the mid-90s level of bad writing. My name is Angela Bennett. I discovered a group of computer terrorists. They erased my life. They made me into a criminal. I am not going to stop until I get my life back. But if they did this to me, they could do this to you. <laughs> this story's got everything. A shitty music promoter, a bad Russian pop star, a shady Russian lawyer with a kind of sexy name, a dumb-as-bricks leading man who got the job because his dad is the executive producer. We may be in the golden age of television now, but we are stopped in the dumpster TV age of politics. Let's, uh, I guess, uh, let's talk about what all of this means practically. Sorry, but this changes nothing. As author Masha Gessen pointed out on Slate Trumpcast this week, all this does is confirm what we already knew. We've known since Trump said this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. And she's right. That was the collusion right there. Once he said it and they did it, that's it, man. Game over. Game over. Everything else is just the cake beneath the icing. But still, a lot of people, including a lot of people who ought to know better, <coughs> are bandying about a lot of words, big words, dangerous words, like treason. And whatever Trump and his stupid, shitty family may have done, they have not committed treason. So let me explain why. Article 3, Section 2 of the United States Constitution says so. Treason against the United States shall consist of only levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. Need some more clarification? Title 18, U.S. Code, Section 2381 lays out the specific elements of the crime. Whoever owing allegiance to the United States, levies war against them, or adheres to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere, is guilty of treason and shall suffer death, or shall be in prison not less than five years, and fined under this title, but not less than $10,000, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. The operative word in all of this is enemy. 
And legally, an enemy is defined as someone whom the United States has declared war upon. This is why no American has been tried or convicted for treason since 1952, when Tomoya Kawakita, a Japanese-American, was sentenced to death for torturing American prisoners' war during World War II. This is why Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were tried underneath the Espionage Act, and John Walker, the American Taliban Lind, was tried for a raft of conspiracy charges and not treason. We hadn't declared war on the parties they'd assisted. But uh, the word treason does open up the door to the room where we keep the way back. It was tough to find a guy as fucking stupid as Don Jr. in recent history, and I'd seriously considered using Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North as the way back, since this dude was almost as stupid as Don Jr. But at the end, I decided not even Ollie was dumb enough for the kind of colossal fuckwad that really compared to this situation. I needed to go further down the history hole, so we set the way back for the year 1800 to the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., the decision on whom would be the third president of the United States was being hotly contested, no, not in the Electoral College, but in the House of Representatives, between Thomas Jefferson and one Mr. Aaron Burr. Oh, you may have heard of him. The prankster. Burr and Jefferson were duking things out in the Electoral College, not because they were on the opposing parties, but because Burr had found a flaw in the Constitution that was later corrected by the 12th Amendment. The upshot of the fight between Jefferson and Burr, which could be an entirely different way back on an entirely different podcast, was that Jefferson thought about Burr as a sneaky little bastard. And he wasn't wrong. Now, you think you know many salacious details about Aaron Burr from that little play that a few people have seen on Broadway. God knows you didn't learn them in school if you graduated later than 1991, but you probably don't know the most salacious of them all. While Vice President of the United States, Aaron Burr, and the Commander of the Army of the United States, General James Wilkinson, began to conspire over a lot of things. And all of them would line their pockets, but the most dramatic of which would install Burr, and this is a real thing, as the King of Mexico. This story is so deliciously stupid, it shouldn't be on USA Networks, it should have its own history channel, Ancient Aliens Treatment. It seems Mr. Burr, while still vice president, met with the British minister to the United States and floated a little idea to peel off the recently purchased New Orleans and a good chunk of the Louisiana Purchase and maybe a little bit of Texas and part of Mexico from the United States with him as the governor if the Brits would just give him, I don't know, a half a million dollars, a shitload of guns and a fleet of warships. Is that so much to ask? The minister gave Burr $1,500 in his best wishes and got the fuck out of there. In 1805, after being unceremoniously dumped from the ticket by Jefferson, Burr headed out west, presumably to take possession of some lands leased to him by the king of Spain in what would become Texas. But really, he went out to raise money and troops for his plans to take New Orleans, Texas, and shit while he was at it. Why not most of Mexico? He even floated an idea to the Spanish that, you know, since he had an army, 
and he was taking a big chunk of the Louisiana, Louisiana Purchase, he could just slide on up to Washington, D.C. and take most of America, too. <laughs> Spanish said, you know, here's a few hundred dollars, and they got the fuck out of what would one day become Dodge. So while Burr was roaming around, presumably wearing a dark cape and sending cipher letters, which he totally did, by the way, his old buddy, General Wilkinson, slipped back on up to D.C. and told President Jefferson that his former Veep was plotting rebellion and secession. Jefferson's reaction was about what you would expect. What's your search? How do you want it done? I'm prepared to scour the earth for that motherfucker. If Butch goes to Indochina, I want a nigga hiding in a bowl of rice ready to pop a cap in his ass. For all of that high drama, the arrest of Burr and his subsequent trial for treason were really anticlimactic, mostly because of Jefferson's ethically and legally dubious endeavors and methods to get his hands on Burr, and the other part from Burr's pathetically stupid attempts to go about his little plan. Burr was acquitted of treason. Jefferson was furious, largely because he hated Chief Justice John Marshall, who was the one that said that it wasn't treason, and Marshall was not too fond of Tom either, but really because the whole affair made him look stupid. And when the newspapers ran stories about how this entire shit show made Tom look stupid, he used the fake news defense for the first time in American history, saying, quote, nothing can now be believed, which is in a newspaper, he wrote in 1807. I will add that a man who never looks into a newspaper is better informed than he who reads them, inasmuch as he who knows nothing is nearer to the truth than he whose mind is filled with falsehood and errors. It remains unknown to this day if he followed that statement up with sad exclamation point. The trial of Aaron Burr is in itself a defining moment in constitutional history and may at some point be a way back depending on what happens with our current president, but suffice it to say that wanting to commit treason and actually committing treason are two different things legally, and just dealing with the adversaries of the United States is different than dealing with an enemy in time of war. Oh, if you want to know what happened to Burr, uh, after getting off, his political career was destroyed. He was utterly disgraced and widely considered a traitor, even if not convicted, which is really the best we can hope for with Trump. He fled the country first to England, Trump can't do that because they don't want him, and where he tried to drum up support for a revolution in Mexico, which the Brits decided, no, just no, go away. Then he went to France to seek help from Napoleon, who uh, politely declined, and Burr, who was too broke to get home, bummed around France for a few years until he finally made it back on a ship in steerage. Once back in New York City, he changed his name to escape his creditors, married a rich widow who divorced him for stealing her money on land deals, and died in 1836, the very same day as he was served divorce papers from the wife he tried to con. When you look at all of that, his ambitions were only outstripped by his fucking stupidity. Not at all unlike our current first family. There's little question the Trump family are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Gavin, help me out here. Corrupt bureaucrats? No, no. I mean, I mean, yes, yes. But I want something more specific, uh, more of a collective statement on the whole bunch. Give it to me one more time, Gavin. Morons. That's it. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, fucking morons. 
A lot of people are calling Don Jr. the Fredo of the family, like I call Gavin the Fredo of the podcast. But no, no, Don Jr. isn't Fredo. The Donald is Fredo. It's like Michael and Sonny were both whacked and the family fell to Fredo and Fredo's even dumber kids are running the day-to-day while the Don drools in his bathrobe and shouts at the TV. Ivanka <laughs> may be the smart one, but she's not exactly pulling some Mensa-level shit sitting on a G20 meeting while the Don is trying to find his way out of a bathroom stall. Even Kushner is a fifth-rate Tom Hagen in this metaphor. But at least, you know, fuck, Tom Hagen at least wasn't a spoiled rich kid with a dumbass dad who went to jail for corruption in New Jersey. The whole mess of them are rich because Fred Trump's the Vito Corleone in this little metaphor was a ruthless motherfucker that would do anything to get what he wanted, but his loser kid and grandkids are just running around with inherited money and power and still fucking that up. So I guess the question becomes, are the Trumps innocent of collusion? We have to stop using that word. The proper term is conspiracy. A conspiracy with the Russians to violate election laws and illegally influence the election because they're fucking idiots? The former CIA director testified before Congress in May saying frequently individuals on a treasonous path don't even realize they're on the path before it's too late. It's entirely probable that Don Jr. didn't know what the fuck he was doing, anything more than the normal base opportunism that is the background hum of his family. It might even be enough to get him off the hook except for two things. The first is his extensive lies and the second, Paul Manafort was in the fucking meeting. Trump and Kushner might be shit-brained dolts, but Manafort was a highly experienced political operative with extensive ties to Russia, and he sure as fuck knew that what was going on was illegal. It's highly likely he orchestrated the underlying conditions for the meeting in the first place. There are suspicions in places, suspicions I share, that someone in the good old U.S. of A. helped the Russians in knowing where to hit along with how and when to disseminate the information they possessed through the hacking to do the most damage. The Russians had the dirt, but someone on our side of the pond had the wheelbarrow and the shovel. Now, uh, who could possibly possess the knowledge, the connections, the motivations to actively assist the Russian government in electing Trump? Who could demonstrate the kind of moral turpitude to do such a thing. Politics has always been rough and tumble in this country, but I'll tell you one trick that's not in my bag. Treason. See, that crosses a line. So um, I, I resent the, uh, the inference that I have colluded with the Russians to elect Donald Trump because it's patently false. Why, why wouldn't you be a suspect, though? If you were in the position of investigators or journalists, and here's a guy, Roger Stone, a reputation for some dirty tricks, some that you say, you know, the kind of childish and buffoonery back when you were 19 or 20, but even more sophisticated over time. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you think of yourself as a suspect? Yeah, I mean, it's not like the guy is literally partners with Paul Manafort or anything. No, it's not like the guy tweeted out on the day before the release of the Podesta emails about his connections with WikiLeaks and Podesta was going to be in the barrel soon. It's not like the guy has a long history of shitbaggery going all the way back to Nixon. I would never want to imply, intimate, or infer that Roger Stone 
actively colluded with the Russians to direct the dissemination of illegally obtained information in the most damaging way to the Clinton campaign, because that would be a criminal conspiracy, and my saying so about Roger Stone helping the Russians would be considered slander, and I would never do that. Maybe John Don Jr. is an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's no maybe in that. But there are enough people around him that know that he was shitting in the punch bowl. The lies, the dissembling by the administration since day one, shit before day one, indicates they knew what they were doing was and is wrong. The emissions from their security clearance forms of contacts are damning in and of themselves. Even the dumbass Don himself is at least cognizant on some level that what happened was not kosher. He said as much when he told Les Lester Holt that that's why he fired Comey. We have, after all these months, an admission by a party to the crime of conspiracy with the Russians. Now, can we finally get these fuckers out of the fucking White House, Republicans? Respectfully... I'm going to have to say no. For all of 38% of the U.S. voting population wants to twist this into a Morbius strip that somehow turns it back into a nothing burger, as White House Chief of Staff Rancid Pubas called it, anyone with two functioning brain cells, which obviously leaves out 38% of the U.S. voting population, this burger is a fat, juicy, and full of rare red meat. It is one more check in the boxes of the infamous Steele dossier, I mean, seriously, we're weeks away from a P-tape, people. Mark my words. And it directly contradicts months of statements from the administration. It clearly demonstrates that people at the highest levels of the campaign and the family were well aware the Russians were sticking their fingers on the election on their side. It implies the campaign systemically conspired with a hostile foreign power to interfere with the elections of the country, violating election laws, and therefore makes them part of a criminal conspiracy. People have been looking for fire underneath the smoke. Here is the campaign manager striking matches into a pool full of gas poured by the president's son, a father who so a son of a father who so dominates his son's life that he would not dare do anything without explicit permission. We can't prove that yet, but everyone knows that the Don is such a domineering prick, his kids won't take a shit without requesting Charmin from their dad. And the reason I compare this to Aaron Burr, who is entirely unlike Trump in almost every way, but one, their egos told them the rules did not apply to them. Both men were, are rich, influential, and profoundly convinced that they personally are above the law. Their ambitions drive them to do anything to revenge themselves on perceived slights, to acquire that which they justly deserve and ignore the laws and norms of their society if they find them personally inconvenient. Burr might well have been president one day. He was politically more progressive than Jefferson on slavery and the role of women in society, but his ego drove him to avenge every slight and take by any means necessary what he felt he was owed, the presidency or even his own personal empire. Trump is a tiny mind and a flawed man and shares none of the redeeming qualities of Aaron Burr, yet all of his flaws. If there were dueling grounds today, Trump would probably be on them. Well, not Trump himself. He would just have the best duelist money can buy. Just the best duelist, really. The top people, top duelist. 
his desperation to validate himself, to prove himself to the ghost of his father, to those who slighted him in New York society, say the, or even say the black guy that made fun of him at that dinner one time. They drive him to break any rule, conspire with any criminal, whether American mobsters or even, hey, Russian mobsters, who just happen to have something who can help him get what he thinks he deserves. If this were a Law & Order episode, this would be the point where Jack McCoy makes a stirring closing argument and the Trumps would be out of here. But it isn't Law & Order. It isn't in a criminal case. It's politics. Just like with Aaron Burr. The conclusion of the story will be in the politics. Aaron Burr wasn't acquitted because he was innocent. That fuckwit did everything but hang a sign around his neck saying, I am committing treason. And because of politics, he got off. The Trump family literally just published emails saying, I am in a criminal conspiracy with the Russians. And because of politics, the GOP is humming like a guy at a urinal trying to catch a peek of the guy next to him's dick, but he doesn't want him to know. Is it bigger than a baby's arm? Nothing is going to move here until they get their agenda passed or it becomes apparent they are in for a slaughter in the midterms. Trump's base is unwavering. Their idiot leader may be corrupt, but he's corrupt as they imagine for them. And they just don't care. The GOP is not going to do anything until they absolutely have to. We are going to listen to more and more coming out because the story is only in the middle of the beginning and it will get worse as Mueller's investigation starts scaring the roaches into the recording studio. Jesus, Gavin, can we spray or something? Insiders will leak and turn on one another, ask and get immunity, and the first one to Mueller's door gets out of jail free and the second gets fucked in the ass. The news is going to roil with stories and the meathead-in-chief and his dumbass family will continue to go along fucking shit up and Ameri making America stupid again until we finally get enough Congress with enough Democrats to do something. Hopefully, we'll get there without a war, a major terrorist incident, or an economic collapse. You do not want to see what happens then because I promise you, the idiots will go off the deep end and all hell will break loose. But hey, who knows? Maybe Don Jr. will just end up as King of Mexico. I know, I know. That was fantastic. The Starship song of the Wayback Machine. Oh, oh shit. Are we live? All right, good. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Gavin. Put it up. That is it for our show this week. We had such high hopes of doing a non-political show along with the Subway story. We really wanted to be going down the Lena Dunham and Lambie story, which if you haven't heard about, is at least as important as the healthcare bill or the Russian scandal, according to the, the media on the internet anyway. We hate to say it, but uh, Lena's right. Kind of glad we didn't do it because of defending Lena Dunham and anything is almost as bad with liberals for ratings as attacking Trump is with conservatives. Speaking of bad ratings, you can give us a bite on the butt just as Lambie did Lena by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. If you give us a one-star review, however, it will call us Gavin to drink his own pee. Don't worry, we've got a producer trainer who's trying to help him. All of my anxiety barkings are on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast.com and the show name on Facebook. All the shows are on SoundCloud at the show name or www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe and the unhouse broken producer Gavin and all the other fictional adopted puppies on this show, 
We want to say we flew in from Moscow out of NYC and didn't get to bed last night. The way John Jr. was on the phone with me, man, we had a dreadful flight. We'll see you all next week. Well, the Ukraine girls really knock me out. They leave the West behind. Moscow girls make me scream and shout. George is always on my 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 mind. Well, show me round your smoky mountains way down south. Take me to your daddy's farm. Let me hear you follow like a ringing out. Come and keep your comrade warm. I'm back in the USSR. Don't know how lucky you are, boy. Back in the US, back in the US, back in the USSR. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.